Welcome to the Grove Church Online. My name is Pastor Nick, and today I have a special message for you titled The Giving Keys. Yes, this is a message about four keys that we need to learn to become givers like Christ. You know, one of the things that we believe in what's part of our vision here at the Grove Church is to be givers like Christ, which means providing Christ-like generosity to those in need. And with Thanksgiving right around the corner and Christmas fast approaching, I thought what better time than now to share a message that I would hope encourages us and pushes us forward in providing Christ-like generosity to those in need in our community. So today I pray that you hear this message and you become doers of this word. And I pray it blesses you just as much as it blessed me when God gave it to me to deliver to you all. Hey, if this is your first experience here at the Grove Church, you have joined us at a pivotal time in the life of our ministry. This is only the second of six preview services that we plan to have before April 22's official launch. And so I am thankful that you've joined us. If you want to get connected to the Grove Church, we'd love for you to do that. You can do that a few ways. You can go on our website and fill out the connect card at yourgrovechurch.org. You could send us a message on our social media platforms, whichever one is most convenient for you, Facebook, Instagram, whatever works for you. Send us a message. We'd love to know you're watching. We'd love to hear how you heard about us. And then the last way that you can get connected to us is by texting NEW to the number that will be somewhere right here on your screen. We'd love to connect with you. We'd love to get to know you. We'd love to help you develop some roots right here at the Grove Church. We just believe that when you're rootless, you're fruitless. And so if we can help you develop some roots right here at this church, we'd love to do that. We love for the Grove Church to become your church. And so you can get connected to us and we can help you become a part of this family and this community. Hey, without further delay, I want you to join this message. I pray that you're taking notes. I pray that you've got your Bible, that you're ready to sink your teeth into what God has put on my heart to share with you all. I pray blessings over all of you, our online community, our church team, our staff, everyone. I just pray that this message encourages all of you and it pushes you forward this season as you go out to meet the needs of those in your community. Welcome and thank you for tuning in wherever you are watching from. My name is Pastor Nick and I'm excited for this word that God has put on my heart. Uh, and I want to go ahead and share that with you. We've got a lot to cover today, so I want to jump right in. If you have your Bibles, whether that's uh, uh, the traditional Bible where you can flip the pages or you've got it on your mobile app, whatever you are using today, would you turn to Matthew chapter 25? We're going to be in verses 31 through 46 uh, and that's going to be 
our text for the day. So Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 through 46. If you don't have a Bible handy, maybe you're watching in some remote location. We're actually filming in a remote location. So maybe you are in a remote location and you don't have a Bible um, accessible to you right now. That is okay. We're going to put it on the screen for you so that you can follow along with this. But Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 through 46, we'll jump right in here. Uh, I will go ahead and read this text. I'll give you my message title uh, for those of you who are taking notes. I hope you're taking notes because you're going to need this word. Uh, but I'll give you my title and then we'll pray and we'll jump right into what God has put on my heart to share with you all. So Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 through 46 says, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit uh, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. Don't you want to hear that? Take your inheritance, those who are blessed by my father. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and and you came to visit me. Verse 37, then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? Verse 40, ooh, it gets good right here. The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And here's why. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They will all say, they also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick and in prison and did not help you? Here's, listen very closely to what God says here. Here's, here's what Jesus tells us. He said, he will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. God, woo, I don't know about you, but I feel a lot of conviction here and we will talk about it. Today is going to be kind of like a therapy session for anyone who has felt convicted by not helping someone who has been in need. We're going we're gonna to get that shame off of you today and give you some keys to being better in this area of our life because I think we all need it. So it, that brings me to the point of our title for the message today. The title of today's message is The Giving Keys. One more time, the title of our message is The Giving 
keys. Let's pray and jump right into this. Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing in this space today. Lord, I thank you for technology that allows us to broadcast this message far and wide. I thank you, Lord, and I pray that we would take advantage of this. Every single church, every ministry, I pray we would take advantage of the opportunity we have to spread this gospel far and wide as only the disciples could have only imagined. God, I thank you for what we get to do. Lord, I pray for every single person who is hearing this word, wherever they may be. I pray that they wouldn't just hear it, but they would become doers of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the giving keys, that is the title of our message today. And again, I hope you're taking notes because I think this is going to be such an important message, especially for this time of year and this season. And, and if you, maybe you're, you're great at, at giving and, and being generous and all that good stuff, but this word is not just for that. I think there's some fruit in here that's going to help you not just now, but in years to come. And so I pray that you would take notes and meditate on this going forward. Uh, but speaking of giving, you know, the months of November and December are oftentimes dubbed the season of giving, right? In, in November, we have Thanksgiving where we're, where we're oftentimes encouraged to be thankful and grateful for the things that we've had. And oftentimes it feels like we are thankful and grateful for what has transpired throughout the year and in our lives. And we go around our table at Thanksgiving and we say what we're thankful for and what we're grateful for. And then when you look at December, we fast forward and now we're talking about gift giving. And sometimes we will, we will give up an arm and a leg to provide the best gift that we can give to our loved ones. And whether or not they deserve it is a different message that I just don't have time to preach right now. But these are the giving seasons. This is the giving season. This is the time of the year where we focus on giving, giving thanks and giving gifts. But like many of you, one of the things that I oftentimes think about during the season is how can I be a blessing to someone else? How can I help someone else? How can I be generous to someone else during this time of year. You start looking around for opportunities to serve and be a part of organizations who are doing good things in the community to help those in need. Uh, and, and, and that's just part of the season. That's just part of what some of you and, and myself will be thinking during this time. And there'll be a lot of opportunities where you can get involved in helping and, and provide Christ-like generosity. In fact, as far as the Grove Church, that's actually a part of our vision. Part of our vision is to be givers like Christ. And that means to provide Christ-like generosity. And so we're always, as a church, looking for a need that we can feel, always looking for someone that we can help within our community. Uh, and, and I'm always encouraged by people who do this year-round. I'm always encouraged by people and individuals who make it their life life's work to be charitable in their giving or their time and serving and things of that nature. And during this season, one of those individuals and organizations actually came to mind. And so recently I've been thinking about uh, Caitlin Crosby. And if you don't know Caitlin here in the United States, she has an organization that was founded in 2008. Uh, and it's a pay it forward jewelry business called the Giving Keys. You can, you can get a sense for where our title is and where we might be going for today. So Caitlin Crosby founded this company called the Giving Keys in 2008. And they engrave inspiring words on you keys. Once someone wears it, uh, they must give it away at some point to a person they think needs the message on the key. And then they share on their website, on the Giving Keys website, why the individual gave the key away. 
And so I love this idea. I love this thought of like, yo, I'm going to inspire someone with the message. I'm going to stamp this message on keys uh, and I'm going to give these to people. And, and at, at, at a certain point when the person, you know, maybe has, has fulfilled whatever the message on the key was for them, they're encouraged to give it away. I love that pay it forward idea. And so here's an example of what that might look like. Maybe I need some inspiration. Maybe I have hit a lull in my creativity and I need to be inspired to create again. And I need to inspire to do great things again. And so I might get a key. Someone might gift me a key that says inspiration or inspire or inspired or something to that effect that would help me as the recipient of the key be inspired again. Or maybe I need to be motivated. Maybe I've been out of school for some years and, and I thought I would have this great job and, and now I've just been sitting and doing nothing and almost feeling like a DeVry commercial where you're sitting around doing nothing anyway, so you might as well go out uh, and get an education, whatever it is. Maybe I need to be motivated again, and maybe those commercials aren't doing it for me. So I might get a key and someone might gift me a key that has motivational quotes or words or whatever it is on the key uh, to help me become motivated. And then once I feel like I've, you know, I've gotten up out of my chair and I've been motivated and now, you know, I'm doing great things. Maybe I see a friend or a family member or a relative who needs the same encouragement, the same motivation that I received when I was gifted the key. And so now the pay it forward aspect of the giving keys is that now I would give that key away for free to the next person because they are in need of it. This is, that's the point of it. It's a pay it forward uh, jury business called the giving keys. And so you give your key away to someone who needs that message more than you. But that's not why I love the giving keys. That's, that's not the extent of why I love this organization. One of the reasons why I really love this organization and what I love about the company is the fact that the origins of the company actually began on impulse. Caitlin Crosby and, you know, someone who was living out of, out this principle of doing for the least of these, she actually founded her company and she employed two homeless individuals, this couple, to help her make these keys. And so in starting this giving keys, it was literally her her giving a job to homeless couples uh, because she felt like they had something to offer and because she saw an opportunity to do for the least of these. And that is why I love this company. I love it because it was built off of a biblical principle and part of our foundational text today to do for the least of these. And that is what Caitlin was living out. And listen today, listen to this, excuse me. Today, the company actually employs local residents who are transitioning out of homelessness and they've partnered this organization the giving keys has partnered with different organizations to support homeless populations in los angeles county and so i love that this company has started and not only has it started with the principle of giving but it has also lived up it is not only talking the talk but it has walked the walk and it has helped people get out of homelessness what started as an act of kindness with a purpose has changed countless lives through the inspiring messages on their keys uh, that are graciously passed around from people to people 
And you might have received one of those keys or you might have been the giver of one of those keys if you're in the United States or maybe you're not in the United States and you've, you've received these keys or you've heard about this company, but they've changed countless lives as a result of just wanting to be generous and helped people transition out of homelessness. And so I love this company and I love this message and I love what they're all about. But here's my challenge to you today. What if we did the same thing that Caitlin did? Right? What if we did the same thing that Caitlin did? That's my challenge to, to you and to all of us. What if we did the same thing Caitlin did? What if we all made intentional decisions to help those in need? Not just this season, not just during Thanksgiving, not just during the Christmas season, but year round. What if we made the decision to help those in need, not because of what we might receive in return, but because when we do it to one of the least of these, as our foundational text says, when we do it for one of the least of these, we know that we're doing it to glorify God. What if, what if we accepted that challenge and we made the intentional effort all year round to help someone in need? I love that when I was looking up this text and, and studying for this message, I came across this quote and really the individual who wrote it was, was it seemed like they were reconciling their, their shortcomings when it comes to thinking about the least of these. It was almost like they were unsure of, well, who truly is the least of these? It was like they were doing something similar that I know we all are guilty of doing. At least I can raise my hand and say I'm guilty of doing where I see someone who has a need and I start to think, well, do they really have a need? Like you start to look them up and down and start to wonder and question like, well, if I give them this money, are they going to go buy drugs with it? Are they going to go buy alcohol with it? If I give them this food, are they going to go give it to someone else? You know, you start to think about these individuals who have a need. And, and so this person was doing something similar to what we've all done. And they've tried to reconcile with wh who are the least of these. And I love that they came to this point at the end of summarizing this text. And here's the quote. And here's what they said. Said, so what if we approached every person, every place, every circumstance, every choice as if we see Christ? And if we don't, if we can't see Christ, what if we approached every person, every place, every circumstance, every choice as if Christ sees Christ? us. Oh my gosh. Oh, I don't know about you, but that's, that speaks to me. That hits me right in my core. If we can't see Christ, what if we approached every person, every place, every circumstance, every choice as if Christ sees us continues on. And it says, either way, there is a scene taking place. What if we allowed those scenes to push us deep into ourselves to uncover rediscover or maybe even discover for the first time the light that is who we most truly are and in that light we made our next choice gosh that's so deep and I think like man when you start to think about some of the choices and the decisions that you make and and how you've tried to rationalize these things and 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 how we make certain choices on our day-to-day -day life without even thinking about Christ without thinking about the spiritual implications and the choices that we're making but what if we pause long enough not just to be generous because you know we want to we want to be generous but simply because 
there is some spiritual aspect behind it. What if we made this choice to be the light? And and and, and I love this thought of what what if if we can't see, you know, if if we don't see others, what what if we can't see Christ? What if we approached every single person, every choice as if Christ sees us? I love that. And it continues on and it ends here. It says, what if we made our next choice based not on the truth of the other's life, but watch this, but on the truth of our own life. So maybe you do see someone who has a need. And maybe you're unsure of, if, you know, the scale of that need. Maybe you're unsure of, of whether or not this person truly is homeless that's got the sign up that says I'm homeless. Maybe, maybe that is, maybe you've been in that situation. But, but what if you stopped worrying about that person and you stopped worrying about whether that person was being deceptive? And what if you took heed to this question here? What if we made our next choice based not on the truth of the other's life, but on the truth of our own life? What if we gave from that space? What if we gave from that intentionality, from that part of our heart, the part of our heart that says, look, I'm not concerned with the other person on the other side of this giving, but I'm concerned with the truth of my own life and who I am. It's a lot to reconcile with because I know we've all been in this situation. And so today what I want to do is I want to share some of these keys to giving that I believe will help us do exactly that. Be givers not based on the truth of others' life, but on the truth of our lives as believers in Jesus Christ. That's what I want to do. And I want to start with four different keys, four giving keys that I think will help us not just see, you know, ourselves in light of who we are as believers, but would push us into this life of generosity that I think is necessary in this day and age. So our first key is this. Giving key number one is thinking God over gut. Here's what Hebrews chapter 13 verse 16 says. It says, and don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. I'm going to say that again. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. I love that. And here's what I think we ought to think. When we give, we ought to do so not because of how we feel, but because we are obedient to God and it pleases God. That's it. That is where our giving should start. We should be thinking with, with God in mind and not going off of our gut. When we give gut first based on how we feel, then our giving is subject to the type of day we're having and not based on how good God has been. I don't give to others because I'm having a good day. I don't give to others because I have a good, uh, I, I, I give to others because I have a good God who was good yesterday, who is good today who will be good tomorrow. That is the reason in which I give. In spite of how I feel and act, God is still good and my giving should be based on that fact. Giving based on God and not my gut ensures I'm 
honoring and pleasing God and sharing with those in need. Because our text says right here, don't forget to do good and share with those in need. It doesn't talk about thinking of whether or not and you being the decision maker on whether or not someone is in need because the scale of need for everyone is different. So it's not my job to judge and decide whether or not your need meets the threshold on which I should be giving to. No, my responsibility is to think God over gut and give and share with those in need in spite of how I feel or how I think. That that is how our giving should work. In thinking about those in need, one of the things that I, that I often think about and one of the things that we see in our text is we see Jesus describing in this sermon, which is oftentimes uh, of a dub, this sermon on the end times. It's, it, it's, it's Jesus describing the events that will lead to judgment. And one of the major things of this sermon is that judgment will actually include our being judged on how we've treated our neighbor. That's, that's just the reality of what Jesus is doing in our text. It talks about in our text how the righteous will be separated, how the sheep and the goats will be separated. And those who are righteous are righteous as a result of, hey, you, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I had, when I had no place to go, you brought me in. So this text and this judgment, part of that judgment speaks to how you treated your neighbor. Here's what it says again. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 33 through 40, it says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared from you, prepared for you from the foundation of the world, because I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. All of these different things that Jesus is spelling out right here speak to the fact that you as an individual, the righteous that he's speaking to has helped someone in need, not because they had done the need test and figured out that, oh yeah, you had a 100% need versus someone who's at a 25% need. No, it was simply the fact that whatever the person needed, the righteous will provide that. Because you did all of these things, come and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Then the righteous will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome in and naked and clothed you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Jesus describes separating the righteous from the wicked based on the way we treat others when we are helping our neighbors regardless of how we feel right because i'm thinking god over gut regardless of how we feel we are fulfilling god's will and pleasing god thus making us righteous when we do these things it makes us righteous in the sight of god so it's more than our feelings we need to consider it's more than what we're thinking in the moment what we have to consider is this this practical you know saying that we used to have in the late 90s was WWJD. What would Jesus do? That is one way to think God over gut. So in spite of how I feel, in spite of what Nicholas might do, in spite of what Alex might do, in spite of what Nicole might do, I need to think 
What would Jesus do? How can I thank God over gut to provide for this person's need? We need to also consider the spiritual implications of giving. We have to consider that. I don't think we think about that enough when we when it comes to our day-to-day life. There is a spiritual implication to giving and providing for the needs of others. And you know, it comes down to the simple fact that what we have belongs to God by ownership. I love Pastor Johnny Thompson, who's part of our board of directors here at the Grove Church, but he has this saying, he says, look, the church belongs to God by ownership. The church belongs to us by stewardship. And the church belongs to you uh, by membership, if you will. And so it's the same thing with whatever we've been given. It belongs to God by ownership. Everything that we have belongs to God. We are simply stewards of what God has given us. And a good steward takes care of what God has given them, not based on how they feel, but based on what God tells us to do and how God outlines it in his word. But there's such a spiritual implication to our giving that we don't pay enough attention to. Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 through 14, here's what Paul here's what Paul shares, and he starts to describe the spiritual implications to giving. Here's what he says. He says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So here we're talking about ownership. He who supplies seed to the sower, bread for food. He is the supplier. That is God. It's all his. It's ownership. It's his. We have no right to be greedy and hoard the things that God has given us when he has given it to us for the express purpose of helping others. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So here we're starting to talk about the spiritual implication that when we give, there is this this inside thanksgiving to God that occurs simply because of us being obedient and doing what God has called us to do. It continues on and it says this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. It continues on, it says, and in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. I love that this whole passage breaks down the fact that number one, everything that we have is not based on our own doing. We ain't that good. We're not that great. The promotion that we got is not simply because of the work of our hands. The fact that we've been put in a certain position of influence is not based on the work of our hands. It's because God supplies seed to the sower. And that is what we have to remember. Everything we have belongs to God by way of ownership. It belongs to us by way of stewardship. The next thing that we see from this text that I love is that 
You know, God supplies seed to us so that we can turn around and be generous and be a blessing to others. That is the purpose of God blessing us, not simply so that we can hoard the blessings, but so that we can be a blessing to others. And when we do, when we do bless others, when we are intentional about giving, yes, we are taking care of the physical needs of others, but this produces a spiritual result in the form of many thanksgivings to God from us and the individual who's being blessed. So it's a twofold spiritual implication that is occurring when we give. Not only are we blessed, but the individual in which we're blessing is blessed. Not only are we giving thanks to God, but the individual who is receiving of the gift that we're giving is also giving thanks, giving to God. It's the spiritual aspect of giving that we don't think about. It's not just blessing others, but it is also blessing us too. And I love that this text talks about how others will praise God for our obedience and our display of the gospel in action. The greatest giver that ever lived, that ever walked this earth is Jesus Christ who gave his entire life so that you can live and have eternal life in Jesus Christ. He is the greatest giver that has ever lived. And so when we are giving, we are exemplifying the gospel. He gave his life. We are now being intentional about giving what we have to show and, and we'll never be able to match the, the type of giving that God did. We'll never be able to match that. But when we are giving and when we are intentional about blessing others, we are living out the gospel in our actions. And then the last thing that I love from this text in 2 Corinthians is that it says, look, in their prayers, those we give to will bless us in return through prayer. They're praying for you as you're giving. And, and, that, and it's not to say that that's the reason why you should give, but it's the simple fact that people will pray for you. They will provide thanksgiving to God as a result of what you've done. So there's a blessing that occurs both ways. When we think about giving, oftentimes we think about what are we losing. We very rarely think about what we're gaining as we're giving to others. And, and because we don't always see it physically, we think that there's no return on our investment. But the reality is that the return on our investment when we are generous to other people is actually a spiritual return that is developing something on the inside of us that is far better than anything that we could see physically. There's a spiritual implication to your giving. We got to thank God over gut for this for this reason. I love that Jack Hayford says it this way. He says hospitality is the fruit of a transformed spirit filled life. It is showing an interest in others and giving ourselves to loving and supporting them, even as God does us. And it just reminds me of Philippians chapter two, verse four, that says, look, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. There's such a spiritual nature to our giving. Like he says, it is a fruit. It is the fruit of a transformed spirit filled life. When we are giving, when we are displaying our generosity to others, it is showing our spiritual maturity. 
Don't look out just for the interests of yourself, but think about others. Think about others, not just during the season, but year round. Let's not worry about, you know, our gut. Let's not worry about whether or not, you know, we feel good about giving, but let's be obedient to God and not our guts. That's our first key for giving. Giving key number two is heart over head. In Hosea chapter six, verse six, I love this. Here's what it says. It says, I want you to go show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. So it's more than just what we've rationalized. When we give and when we're generous to others, it's more than what we've thought would be the best gift. It's more than a mental exercise. But what it really is, going back to our last key, what it really is, is it's the fruit of a transformed life, right? And when I am transformed, when I am living a spirit-filled life, that is when I am closest to Christ. That is when I am closest to God. And so in our giving, if we're thinking heart over head, then it's showing the condition of our heart as a result of our relationship relationship to God and not simply the fact that we have mentally done the exercise of what would be a good gift or who deserves our gift, but we are looking at it from a heart perspective and not just a mental perspective. When we give our heart over our head, what we're really saying is that my giving is a condition of my heart and love for others, not what I've rationalized mentally not what I've rationalized mentally, not what I have put. I, it's not me putting the pieces to the puzzle together to say like, oh yeah, I really think this person has a need. And oh yeah, I think this person is, is truly poor and truly homeless and truly hungry. Who are you to decide whether or not a person is truly hungry or truly poor? That's not our decision to make. We have to give from our heart and not from our head. We get so caught up in overthinking and so caught up in the simplest things and we end up doing nothing because we've overthought ourselves into doing exactly that. Nothing. We have made decisions not to give because we were unsure about whether or not the person truly deserved our gift. And I know we've all been there. And if, and I, if I could just speak for myself, you know, I've had the experience of of going to a gas station and seeing a person who just looked broken down and beaten. And, you know, I've also had the experience of going to a gas station and seeing a person who didn't look that broken down and beaten and looked halfway decent. And both of them were begging for money and both of them were begging for something to eat. And I've sat in my car and I've watched and and I've done my 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 detective work to see like, OK, well, is this person who looks halfway decent? Or are they really hungry? Are they really are they going to go take? that and they go spend it on something else we've we've we i've sat here and i've thought so much about whether or not my giving is going to go to the right place if i give it to this person to the point where i have let the opportunity to be generous to someone and display the spirit filled life that i feel like i'm living i have let that i have let that opportunity slip past because i'm so busy being concerned about whether or not the person truly is broken and beaten. Can you imagine that being done to you where someone has withheld something that you've needed because they have overthought themselves into doing nothing? I know I've been there. I know I've made that decision not to give because I couldn't really decide whether or not the person was truly homeless. And that is, and that is again, when I read our foundational text in Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 through 46, it is such conviction for that reason, because I know I have 
overthought it instead of just simply giving out of the simple fact that it'll display my heart for humankind and human beings I have sat and I have withdrawn my gift simply because I was not sure whether the person needed it or not and that's not our job right like take the pressure off of yourself take the pressure off of yourself to be the judge take the pressure off of yourself and just Give with your heart. Be led by your heart. Allow your heart to be the thing that leads you. If you have truly built a relationship with Jesus Christ, then your heart will not lead you astray because right on the inside of your heart, the Holy Spirit lives. And if you allow yourself to be led by your heart when the Holy Spirit resides there, then you are truly allowing the Holy Spirit to lead. You are letting the Holy Spirit drive while you sit in the passenger seat and just do as the Holy Spirit instructs you to do. And that pleases God. That attitude and that response pleases God. We end up thinking, overthinking, and we start thinking the wrong thing instead of just reminding ourselves of what Jesus said. It's about love. It's about love for others. It's about helping our neighbors. It's not about what am I giving up or what am I losing, but it's about how can I help someone else? How can I love someone else. In Micah chapter 6 verse 6 through 8, here's what it continues on. It says, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, oh, oh mortal, what is good. God has shown us what is good. We ask all of these same questions. What shall I bring? What shall I give? This is the definition of us trying to rationalize what do we need to give as opposed to just being obedient. God has shown us what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. In Micah, Israel is posing questions to God about, about what is acceptable to him. And we, are, we as being spiritual Israel, this, Micah is talking about natural Israel. We being spiritual Israel, we do the same thing. We question God and we start to ask God, what should we do? What is good? What is acceptable? And here I love God's response. His response is nothing is access, acceptable unless one is in proper relationship with God and his neighbor. That is what is acceptable for you to be in proper relationship with God and your neighbor. And so instead of thinking, how can I, how can I rationalize whether or not this love offering or this gift is good enough? Just think about your relationship with God. If God has been good to you, give out of that place of your heart. If you see a neighbor in need, give out of that place of your heart. I love it because the word mercy in Hosea chapter six, verse six that we read earlier, uh, it, it actually means loyal covenant, love or faithfulness, loyalty to God as a result of what he's done for us. And so the whole of the text is about extending this love to our neighbors because we've experienced this kind of love ourselves. So instead of being worried about what do we think and what is our head saying and, and, and what are we trying to rationalize and mentally can we make sense of the person's plight and situation, instead of doing all of that mental exercise, think about what God has already done for you. Think about giving from your heart. 
I remember I was um I was at a Ralph's uh grocery store in Tangent. I I did not mean to say the grocery store's name uh because right here in Fontana there's only uh right here in Fontana California there's only uh, a certain amount of Ralph's shopping markets around and and you all might know Ralph's is something else uh in your local neighborhood but I was at this grocery store and and I remember walking through and to the parking lot and I saw this young mother and her son and they were they had a sign up just saying like man we want some food we just need food. I mean, think about how desperate and how how hungry you've got to be to sit out in front of a grocery store and just wait for someone to come out and respond to a cardboard sign that you have up. I've never been in that position, but God, I can only imagine the struggle of a family who's in that situation. But I remember sitting there and I remember driving past as I was looking for a parking space, I remember driving past and driving and making a couple loops around this family. And I remember thinking like, man, should I give? Should I not? Should I go help them? Should I not? And I went in, I got my groceries and, and I came out and I didn't get them anything. And I saw the sign again. And I just felt like God was just dealing with my heart in that moment. I mean, this was, it was an ordeal. And I remember telling my wife about this story afterwards and just thinking like, man, God was, it was really like tug of war with my flesh and with God. I mean, I was sitting here thinking like, man, but they don't look like they're homeless and they look like they got it together. And are they going to take my food? Is, is there some sort of uh, homeless, you know, conspiracy ring going on where they're going to take my food and now they've got this this store of food in their home and you know whatever it is I was doing this tug of war in my heart and mentally and and all of a sudden I just decided you know what I'm I'm going to give they have a sign saying that they are in need there is a child here who looks hungry it's hot out here it's hot in fontana it's hot so when I see someone who is struggling in that way it just pulls on my heart so I decided to go in and I, and I asked them, I said like, hey, what, what do you guys need? What do you guys want? It wasn't about what they looked like. It wasn't about their clothes. It wasn't about their demeanor. It was simply about what do you need in this moment? And they were like, hey, we, could, we, we love some chicken. So I went in, I go and I get them this chicken. And even while I'm paying for the chicken, I'm thinking to myself, and this is my flesh dealing with me, but I'm thinking to myself, like, this is not, something's going to happen. Something is going to happen. And in hindsight, it was really God trying to show me something. But in the moment, I was just like, man, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. I can feel it. I know something's going to happen. And so when I go in, I get them the food, I come back out, I get them, I give them the chicken. And as I'm walking out, there is a crowd of people who start to show up in this moment. And I'm like, oh, I knew it. Something is going on. There is like a crowd of people. And one of those people in that group is the manager. Uh, and this is why I didn't want to say it was the, the grocery store location, but it's the manager. And in this moment, the manager says, don't give them anything. Don't give them anything. They've been here all week and they beg and they're, and they're trying to pull one over. They're trying to pull a fast one. We feed them every single day. Don't give them anything. Don't give them anything. And in that moment, I thought to myself, am I going to listen to this lady who is worried about someone who's begging in front of their grocery store? Or am I going to listen to my heart? Am I going to listen to God and see the need of this person and be the vessel that helps to fulfill this need? And so I had a decision to make. And in that moment, I decided, look, it's not worth fighting with this lady, this manager, but what I want to do is I want to be obedient to what God has put on my heart. And if I felt like God was tugging on my heart in that moment to give to this family, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And that's exactly what I did.
And so uh, I love this thought from, you know, from again, earlier on, I shared a, a quote and, and a message from someone who was reconciling, you know, whether or not, you know, they understood what the least of these was. And another quote that comes from that, 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 that script that, that was written was, was this thought of, I might wonder whether, you know, a person is scamming me, but maybe the better question is whether I am scamming him or scamming God. I'll say that again. I might wonder whether the person is scamming me, but maybe the better question is whether I am scamming them or scamming God. And so that is really for us to decide in our heart. When I withhold my giving, am I scamming? Am I being scammed? Am I worried too much about being scammed? Or am I simply just withholding what God has blessed me with to give to others? The purpose of my giving is to give to others. It's not about analyzing the person's current condition and running a mental background check on whether or not the person truly is homeless. It's about the fact that God has been good to us. Let's be good to others. Give with your head over, give with your heart, excuse me, over your head. And that's one of our giving keys today. The next giving key I want to share is quality over quantity. Think quality over quantity. In Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 17, here's what it says. It says, each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord your God has blessed you. It goes back to what I was sharing earlier about the fact that what you've been blessed with and what God has given you is not simply just for you, but it's so that you can be a blessing to others. But what I want us to truly understand is that my giving is not a comparative task. It is not God comparing what I've given based on what someone else has given. No, it is simply God looking at what he has blessed you with and you giving in proportion to that. It's not a contest. It's not a foot race, but it's simply you being obedient. The simple point is to give according to what you have, not according to what someone else has. Take the pressure off of yourself to be the biggest donor in your organization or to be the biggest donor in your neighborhood. Give in proportion to what you have been blessed with. Not Don't be so concerned about what someone else is giving that now you start to try to outgive that person because now that changes from from, you know, you're giving flowing from your heart and it goes back up to your head. Now it's going to your head that someone else has given more than you. And so now you're trying to outgive them. And that is not the purpose of our giving. Giving is not a competition, but it flows out of the character of your heart. It's not about how much you give, but it's about the quality and the depth of your heart in which you've reached down deep to actually give to someone. When we go to heaven, God is not going to be looking at my giving. He's not going to put us up against each other and say, well, you've given this amount and you've given that amount. And no, God is not looking to do that. What God is truly saying is, look, give in proportion to what I have given you. He's going to examine your giving based on what he gave you first. We can give monetarily and, and with our time with the high degree of excellence that pleases God, even if it's five dollars. If, if in proportion to what you have, that is above and beyond, then that pleases God. If it's about your time and maybe you don't have a job and you don't have money to give, but you have time to give your time to an organization to help feed homeless, whatever it is, even if it's 30 minutes, if in proportion to what you've been given, that is over and beyond, God is pleased with 
you are giving. I think we oftentimes get in this mode of like, look, because I can't do everything, I won't do anything. But the reality is that we have to start somewhere. And it's not based on giving everything that we have, but it's based on whether or not the condition of your heart and the quality of your heart is in right standing with God so that when you are giving, it actually pleases God. And it's not something that you're doing because you're trying to outgive or outpace or outdo someone else. Our giving is a quality of our heart. It is not based on the quantity of what we're giving. In the end, we're the ones who suffer because at the end of the day, it is more blessed to give than receive. When we start thinking about whether or not we're going to give because, you know, I, I'm, I'm giving up something or I'm losing something. I, I think God would rather leave your gift on the altar when your heart is not in the right place than to accept a gift that is given grudgingly. And again, in the end, we are the ones who suffer because Jesus tells us it is more blessed to give than to receive in the first place. In Acts chapter 20, verse 35, Paul actually talks through this. Paul actually shows us this. He reminds us, he reminds the Ephesian elders uh, of the words of Jesus when he tells them that it's more blessed to give than receive. Here's what he says in Acts chapter 20, verse 33 to 35. It says, I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, it is more blessed to give than to receive. In saying this, Paul was attempting to show that it's not about money. At the end of the day, it's not about dollar signs. At the end of the day, my giving is not about this monetary value of the gift that I give. And when it comes to church, anytime we mention the words giving, it's oftentimes like this point of contention. But can I remind you that when we give to the church, when we give to others, what you are truly doing is you are helping the organization. You are helping the church go out and help the needs of others. Because at the end of the day, I can only give in proportion to what I have. And what I have is not going to serve this community. But if I can get some people who are willing to jump in and pitch in and give their time and give their money to help support this community, then we can change this community for good and for God. But if we are always contending with this idea of giving when it comes to church, we will miss the opportunity to help build up our community. We get in such a funk when it's offering time that we forget the reason and the purpose behind our giving. Not only is it more blessed to give than receive, but God says, look, it's about helping your neighbors. It's about the quality and the condition of your heart. And when you are withholding your gift, what you're saying is that I have not lived a spirit-filled life. I have not lived a life that is worthy of, of the calling and righteousness because I am withholding my gift simply because I don't want to give and give it over to the church or give it over to someone who I have not seen, whether or not they truly have a need. It's a condition of our heart. It is the quality in which we're giving, not the quantity. And so Paul is showing us, look, it's not about money. That He didn't receive money for his work, but what he's saying is, but it was always about giving instead to those who needed it most. And this was his character on display. When we give, when we show that it's our quality and not the quantity of our gift, it's our character on display when we're giving. 
I love how Jack Hayford describes this verse. He said of the text that it indicates that the giver takes on the character of Christ, whose nature is to give. Jesus did not say it would be more natural or easier to give than to receive, but that it would be more blessed. So it may not always be easy. It may not always be, you know, a, a choice that makes sense, you know, uh, financially where you're at. Maybe God is putting on your heart to give more and he's nudging you to do more in your community. And maybe it doesn't all make sense when you try to rationalize it. But again, it's not it's not head over heart, it's heart over head. And again, it's not about the quantity of your giving, but it's about the quality. And if you're doing it with a cheerful heart and you're doing it not grudgingly, but you're doing it freely, man, that is the type of giver that God loves. That's the type of giver that our God, that, that our Bible speaks about. God is not concerned with the quantity of your gift, but the quality of your heart as you're giving. Here's what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6-9. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. I love that because if I make the decision to be a giver in my heart, God will supply an increase to my seed to help me give even more. So it's not about the pressure of what someone is telling you to give, but it's about the condition and the quality of your heart. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. That is the type of giving described that God loves. And even in this text, this type of this, the, the, the word giving here is described and it's known as didome, which, which implies giving an object of value, whether monetary or time-based, and it's, it's given freely and it is unforced. How often have we gone out of our way to give freely and unforced? When we think about quality over quantity, I start thinking about this, this scripture, the widow's might, and, and in Luke chapter 21 and verses one through four, and I'll just read it, but it says, as Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. When I'm giving with the quality of my heart and the quality of my gift is more important than the quantity of my gift, man, I am giving more than others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. For context, a, a mite was was the smallest coin in circulation during that time. And, and if you could think of it, but it was actually one eighth of a cent. And so the important thing to, to Jesus was and, and is not the amount of our giving, but the commitment and sacrifice our giving represents. He's not judging us based on the amount of our giving, but he's judging us based on what we have left after we've given. So we should always be thinking quality over quantity when it comes to our giving. The last key I wanna to share today is actually action over inaction. The last giving key is action over inaction. Uh, and I'll read this text in James chapter two, verse 14 through 16. It says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? 
Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? And so one of the aspects I think we've often forgotten and forget about when it comes to, uh, you know, giving is that we should take our cues from the greatest giver that has ever lived and walked this earth. And that's Jesus. And I think one of the things that I think about Jesus is that Jesus could have been in the Garden of Gethsemane and he could have said, like, look, I'll just pray for these people. Lord, I don't want to die. Jesus could have had this moment where he said, look, I, I just I just don't think that I want to go through with this. So let's just pray for them. Let's just let's just lay our hands on them and then let let's just let let that be it. Let it end right there. But one of the things that I love about Jesus is that he gets to this point where he says, not my will, but yours be done. And in that moment, I believe that Jesus was really starting to speak to the fact that it's going to take this action to actually occur in order for God's will to be done. I believe Jesus was reconciling in the garden in that moment that, look, if I don't act, if I don't do, if I don't move, if I don't give my life, this will and God's purpose will not be fulfilled. And so we got to that point where he said, look, no longer am I going to be inactive in this process. No longer. I'm not going to stand by and watch these people die. I'm not going to allow them to to not have a way out of their sins. So God, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus chose to be an active participant in his death. It wasn't like he was forced to. It wasn't like he was made to. He volunteered and he gave his life. He was active. And so I think we have to take our cues from, from Jesus in this sense. And no, we're not giving up our life. And no, we're not dying for those who are in need. But I think we take our cues from the fact that we can't be inactive when it comes to seeing someone who has a need. We can no longer look around this world and see someone who is in trouble or who's destitute, who has a need, who needs food, who needs warmth, who needs clothing, and just keep walking by or just simply pray for them or just simply say have a blessing or be blessed or whatever it is we say to, to make ourselves feel better when we decide not to give to people. What we have to do is we have to be active participants in this work that, that scripture tells us pleases God. When we are sharing and doing good for others, it pleases God. And at the end of the day, that requires our action. We can't be inactive. We have to make the decision as believers that we are going to be active in giving to others. Out of his love for every single one of us, Jesus gave his life. He laid his life down. And so we have to be willing to be active. We have to take action to help others. Earlier, I was talking about Caitlin Crosby, who started the Giving Keys, the company in which our, the title of our message is, is, is named after. And one of the things that she says that really stood out to me, and, it, and again, another point of conviction for me, but here's what she said in a recent talk uh, regarding her company. But this is what she said that I wanted to share with you. She says, keep your eyes open to all the needs you see around you. And not only do I want to read this, but I want to encourage you with this as well. Keep your eyes open to all the needs you see around it, around you. It's very simple. If you see someone that's hungry, give them some food. If you see someone that's cold, give them a blanket. Don't do it because you're trying to come up with, with an innovative organization. Do it because you actually care about humans. 
It has to be real and genuine. It's our responsibility as humans to take care of each other. It's our duty as humans to care for people when we are weak and broken. Keep your eyes open. There are locks all around you and maybe you hold the key to someone else's freedom. To me, that speaks of action. Keep your eyes open and do something. I shared this quote earlier and I wanna share it again. It's actually from Levi Lusco. And he says, the great danger is that we won't do anything because we can't do everything. And maybe you are feeling that way. Maybe you are feeling like the need in your community is just so great that you alone can't fulfill it. And I would agree with you, you alone can't do it. But if you take the first step and you start doing something in your community to help those who have a need, I guarantee you God will supply everything that you need. That is both monetary, that is both bodies to help you. You start somewhere and let God do the rest, but take action. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, especially if we call ourselves Christians. If we are not willing to care for our neighbors, then we are not fulfilling the greatest command that God has given us. We have to be willing to take care of the needs of those in our communities, surrounding communities. If we see a need, we need to help feel that need. Take action. Start somewhere. Yes, you won't be able to do everything by yourself, but I guarantee you that if you take the first step, God will supply everything you need. So while it might seem bleak and while it might seem like an impossible task, nothing is impossible with God. If you have the right heart, if you are choosing God over God, if you are choosing heart over head, quality over quantity, if you are choosing action over inaction, God will come alongside you and help you with the things that you need to do what you need to do in your community. But I would say this more importantly, keep your eyes open. There are needs all around us. There are people who are hurting, who are dying. And I'm not just talking about homelessness. I'm not just talking about people who are poor. I am talking about people who have mental needs. I am talking about people who have relational needs, who need to be helped relationally, who need to get out of isolation, who need to get out of depression, who need to get out of this 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 feeling of, of loneliness. There are people who have needs. There are people who have needs that we know nothing about. And if we could just simply act and be kind to people. We could change people's lives. And so that is my encouragement to you. Keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open to the needs around you and not just keep your eyes open, but when you see a need that can be met, do something about it. Do something about it. James is always one who convicts us when we read his text because he puts it, he puts our business out there and he te- and he lets us know like look what good is it for us to just say be blessed if we do nothing about someone's physical needs what good is it if we just pray for them so we've got to act we've got to put our faith in action and start to do some things in our community to help those in need Don't worry about rationalizing whether the person truly has a need or or why they've fallen into this condition. Don't worry about whether or not the person's gonna repay you back. What we need to be concerned with is helping those in need. That is our responsibility. Like I said earlier, our responsibility is not to be the judge and, and start to gauge whether or not the need is at a 10 or a one. Our responsibility is to see a need and help 
feel it. That is the essence of being the hands and feet of Jesus as Christians. That is exactly what we have to do. As the church, that is exactly who we are called to be, the hands and feet of Jesus who can carry good news to people, who can provide for the needs of people, who can help people when they're down. Our role as the church cannot be diminished during this time. Our role as the church is for us to stand up and be at the forefront of generosity and helping those in needs, every single kind of need. That is who we are as believers, and that is what God expects from us. So keep your eyes open. Think action over inaction to help meet the needs of those in your community. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Lord, we just thank you for today. We thank you for this message. God, I just thank you that today we're not just hearing this word, but we are becoming doers of this word. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are coming alongside of us as we choose to be actionable in our attempt to meet the needs of those in our community. God, I thank you that you are going to supply every single need that we have. And so, Lord, I pray that we would reconcile in our hearts right now and make the decision right now that not just in this giving season, but year Round as the church, as believers, as human beings, we would meet the needs of your people, God. And yes, we may not be able to do everything, but God, I pray that we would take the first step to doing something. So, Lord, I pray that our giving is done from the right place from our hearts, God. I pray that our giving is informed by you, Jesus, that we take our cues from you, Jesus, the greatest giver who ever walked this earth. And God, I pray that we would give not out of our, our abundance, not out of our quantity, but God, because it shows the character and quality of our hearts, Jesus. Today, I pray that we make this decision that when I see a need, I'm going to do everything that I can to meet that need. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you would get all the glory, that you would get all, all the honor and all the praise in Jesus' name. Hey, if you're still tuned in, I, I really just don't want to leave this space without giving people an opportunity to receive Jesus. I think no matter where we're at, whether we are in person having a gathering or whether we are remote in this case here, I think it's important that we extend the opportunity for people to come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Whether you've been away from church for a long time, whether you've been away from Jesus for a long time, whether you are seasoned in your walk with Christ, but you need to repent for something you've done. I want to give you the opportunity right now as I'm speaking to accept Jesus and to turn things around in your life. So if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me out loud. And there might be people next to you and around you, and that's okay. Because I think that the power in, in, in praying this aloud is that you are declaring to yourself and to others that Jesus is the Lord of your life. And that's what it's about. There's no magic prayer. There's no magic potion in this prayer. There's no magic beans where once you say this prayer, you know, something's going to sprout up miraculously. But what we are doing is we are making the commitment and we're saying it out loud that Jesus is the Lord of our life. And so let's pray this together. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner in need of a savior. So today I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead with the confession of my faith. Today I am saved. In Jesus' name.
Amen. And so if you just prayed that prayer, I would say, man, give yourself a pat on the back, high five a neighbor. If you're listening to this with someone who are watching this with someone who just prayed that prayer, celebrate them today. Take them out. Give them something extra special because they just made the best decision of their life. They have just decided and you have just decided to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And the hard part is simply this, that now you have to go and live like it. Now I should say now you get to go and live like it. And while it may be a difficult thing to do to change your life around, take it day by day, one step at a time. And I like to encourage people that who, who pray this prayer and give their life to Christ that the first thing to do is to start developing a relationship with God. And that simply means get into his word, understand what God says about you, understand what God thinks about you. And the way in which we do that is we get into his word and we start reading the word of God. Get a Bible. If you don't have one, send us a message at grow at yourgrovechurch.org. We want to get you a Bible. If you don't have one, we will send one to you, but start there. And then the next thing I would say is, is, is start talking to God. Every healthy relationship is built on good communication. And so you want to start talking to God. You don't have to speak in a certain manner or form or, or have a certain you know, posture as you're praying. Simply start talking to God. Start talking to Jesus like you would a friend. Let him know what's going on in your life. Let him know where he can help you. Let him know that you are living this life for him and you want to do whatever it takes to please God. Start talking to God and let him know those things. Let him know where you're struggling, what you're dealing with. He cares about you, about every little detail of your life, and he wants to communicate with you. And then the next thing I would say is get in the community. We here at the Grove Church, we'd love to get you rooted right here in this church. If you don't have a home church, we would love for you to connect to the Grove. And so you can get connected by going to yourgrovechurch.org, our website, and filling out the connect card. You could also send us a message at grow at yourgrovechurch.org. Send us an email. Let us know that you're watching, you're tuning in, and that you want to get involved and be a part of this community, and we would be happy to walk you through that process. We want to stay connected with you. And so if you've given your life to Christ, if you made that decision, do those three things. Build a relationship with God by reading his word. Start talking and communicating with God by praying and getting deep into connection with him and develop community. Be in a community of people who can be encouraged by you and who can also encourage you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for tuning in today. We are so grateful to be able to share the gospel and, and the word of God with you all. And I just pray that today has been a blessed experience for you. Let me just pray a blessing over you and, and pray that the rest of your day would be well. Lord, we just thank you for these people who have tuned in, who have watched. God, I thank you that they have listened to this word, and I pray that it would do something on the inside of their hearts, God, that would move them to action, to be givers like you. Lord, we thank you for every single person who has given their life to Christ today. God, this is the best decision they have ever made and one that is going to change the trajectory of their life from here on forward. So we thank you for their commitment. God, we thank you that you're so faithful. You're so good. You're so loving. You're so kind. You are God, the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And we thank you for that. We thank you that we get to hear your word and we get to live it out. And so we pray that we would do exactly, exactly that in Jesus name. Amen.
Amen. Hey, thank you for joining today's message. Look, I hope it blessed you just as much as it blessed me sharing it with you all. You know, being a giver like Christ requires an intentional attitude and some intentional actions on our part. And so I pray as you've heard this message that you would go out into your community and you would practice what you've heard. You would put it into action and try to meet the needs of someone in your community. One of the things that we have going on here at the Grove Church is our outreach ministry called the Givers Foundation. And with this ministry, we actually try to try to meet the needs of people in our community. We do various things like partnering with national and local organizations to support individuals who are less fortunate. Uh, and we try to do that on a regular basis. We actually have an event coming up on Wednesday, November 24th that you can be a part of. And it's an, it's an event called Eat and Be Well that's put on by an organization called Project Boon. The Grove Church and the Givers Foundation has the opportunity to support this organization as they provide Christ-like generosity to those in our community right at the Cypress Neighborhood Center here in Fontana, California. If you want to be a part of that, you have the opportunity to do that. It is not too late to sign up to serve or to donate. And you can do that by going to our website, yourgrovechurch.org slash outreach, or by going to Project Boone's website, projectboone.org, and supporting through either one of those avenues. Hey, if you want to partner with us in your giving here at the Grove Church, uh, your giving helps to allow us to do what we get to do, not just for the Givers Foundation, but for our church as a community. We are a brand new church right here in Fontana, California, just starting, and we want to be able to start and launch well. And so your giving can help us do that. And 15% of of every dollar that we receive here at the Grove Church goes directly to the Givers Foundation, which helps us provide Christ-like generosity to those in need all year long. And so we'd love for you to partner with us in your giving. Hey, if you prayed that prayer of salvation at the end of the message, congratulations to you. I am like leaping for joy. You can't tell right now, but I am leaping for joy because you just made an awesome decision to make Jesus Lord of your life. And that's the best decision you are ever going to make in your life. We want to hear about your experience. And so if you prayed that prayer, if you gave your life to Christ, if you rededicated your life to Christ, send us a message. Text us at amen at the number that you'll see on the screen. Amen to the number that you'll see right here on the screen. We want to hear your testimony. We want to hear what God is doing in your life. And if you did give your life to Christ, let us know by including your address. We want to send you a free gift from us here at the Grove Church to encourage your continued walk in Christ. And so thank you again for joining us. I just pray over every single person who had the opportunity to hear this word. And I just pray that it's more than a message to you. I pray that it becomes a mission that you go out and you try to fulfill to meet the needs of those in your community. Blessings over you, your family during this holiday season. And we can't wait to see you all in person for our next gathering in December. And that's going to be December 19th, our in-person gathering at the Cypress Neighborhood. Neighborhood Center. We can't wait to see you all. Thanks again for joining us for today's message.